is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Connor McKnight. I am not Connor McKnight. I am Jeff Meller. Don't worry, though. You'll get your fair share of Connor McKnight later on today as the White Sox begin spring training action coming your way at 2 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. But in the meantime, you'll get a fair dose of Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight's today. Our first opportunity here on White Sox Weekly to celebrate a brand new signing. It happens Last Sunday, so Brendan Riley, give it to me. Let's celebrate the return of Elvis Andrews. The White Sox have brought the veteran back. Not a shortstop, but at second base. And that, my friends, is excellent because Elvis Andrews was a beast for the 43 games that he was a member of the White Sox. And there was clearly a glaring hole at second base in my opinion that needed to be filled and so a nice piece of business done by Rick Hahn and the White Sox getting Elvis Andrews inked to a one-year three million dollar deal and the veteran leadership that Elvis Andrews provides is also going to be very critical because I do believe the White Sox were in need of a veteran presence especially now that Jose Abreu will be taking his bat and playing for the Houston Astros. This was Elvis Andrews earlier in the week on his return to the White Sox. The main thing for me, you know, at this point in my career, I, I want to win and compete, you know, and I know this team is set to do that and, you know, to win the division as, as a, you know, first goal for the team. So uh, I think that, you know, being able to play here last month, last season, uh, you know, get to know the guys, uh, kind of put a lot of weight to, you know, towards my decision. What? I was very anxious. I thought I was going to be actually, you know, playing cool and all that, but no, I can't. I will lie if I tell you that I didn't feel like, okay, I need to I need to go somewhere. So, but at the same time, you know, I trust trust myself, trust my agent, and, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, arrange a year here. So, you know, really happy. Very happy to have Elvis Andrews back with the White Sox and his new manager, Pedro Grafal, talked about what Andrews brings to the team. Our players are ready to ready to go. They seem like they're in great shape, energy, enthusiasm. Obviously, Andrew's addition is a big addition to this ball club. Um, this is a place where he wanted to be, and this is a place where we welcomed him with open arms. He played really good baseball here last year, and he's a, he's a big part of this. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, he's a high energy, uh, experienced, um, you know, not afraid to say what he needs to say, and uh, this game always needs players like Elks Andrews. So there you go. High praise from brand new White Sox manager Pedro Grafal on the newest addition to the White Sox, Elvis Andrews. Now, if you have forgotten just how critical Elvis Andrews was down the stretch, in 43 games, Andrews accumulated a total of 2.0 war, which now you can't always do this in baseball. I understand projections, you know, don't generally play out over the course of a season. There are highs and lows, but. In a 43-game sample size, that 2.0 war would equate to a war pace of 7.7 over the course of an entire season. That is MVP-level play. 
that the White Sox got in a 43-game sample size from Elvis Andrews. His hard hit rate as a member of the White Sox was 40% to begin with the White Sox initially. Now, it eventually fell off to about 33.3, but that was still higher than what he had been doing in Oakland. And so clearly... He found something when he got there, and I think, again, it's a perfect piece of business for the White Sox to bring back Elvis Andrews, who does fill that glaring hole at second base, because as much as, you know, everybody kind of fell in love with Romy Gonzalez, the truth is, I don't know if he's necessarily the answer long-term for the White Sox. So to have Elvis Andrews back in the building is an excellent, excellent move for the White Sox. Hey, do you want to be even closer to the action this season? Located directly behind home plate, check out the Trust Scout Seats. Offer access to our luxury club experience with all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and parking. Plans include flexible payment plans and 2023 postseason opportunities. For more information, visit whitesacks.com slash scoutseats or call or text 312-674-1000. So, in honor of Elvis Andrews coming back to the White Sacks, we will be playing... All Elvis, all day here on White Sox Weekly. So, Brendan Riley, get the music ready for everybody later today. Now, I will also mention it has not been released just yet, but I did check with some of my White Sox sources, and it does look like, believe it or not, probably very believable, that Elvis Knight will be back at guaranteed rate later in the summer. Don't have an exact date for you just yet, but if you'll remember, I was reminded by Eric Ostrowski, that uh, last year, coincidentally enough, Elvis Knight actually fell on the same day as Elvis Andrews' birthday. So that was crazy. We'll see if they uh, try and make it sync up again this year intentionally. Because remember, Andrews wasn't a member of the White Sox when they did go ahead and make the uh, date last year. So uh, we'll see. It probably, it may not work out as well this year because Generally, in the past, they've always done Elvis on either a Friday or Saturday night because it is one of the more well-attended promotional evenings at Guaranteed Rate. And it's always a fabulous night out of the ballpark. So uh, we'll see. We'll keep our tabs on what they make a final determination in regards to that. And again, um, obviously, we will let you know here first right here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller again in for Connor McKnight today. Connor is on the call with Len Casper as the first White Sox spring training broadcast will come your way later today at 2 o'clock here on ESPN 1000. All right, plenty more for you to come here on White Sox Weekly. We're going to touch base with Connor McKnight, who is usually here in this seat, but he's he's out at Arizona, so we're going to check in with him and see what he's doing to get ready for the broadcast and just catch the latest on some of the new Major League Baseball rules that he and Len will be talking about later today. And... I'll also uh, check in with Jesse Rogers, who I believe he's out in Florida right now, but he was in Arizona a couple days ago. He was there for the arrival of all the White Sox, and we're going to pick his brain because he has been all over the new Major League Baseball rules. So we're going to let him know what we need to be aware of and how it's potentially going to change baseball this year. And I think most baseball fans are actually going to really love what they see. Take advantage of the best prices, flexible payment plans, and 2023 postseason priority with a 20-game ticket plan. Check out the four different packages to choose from. For more information, visit whitesacks.com slash ticket plans or call 312-674-1000. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight on ESPN 1000. 
This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. Because I love you too much, baby. Celebrating the White Sox, bringing back Elvis Andrews late Sunday. First chance on White Sox Weekly to talk about it, so we're going to do so and uh, give you a little Elvis Presley in the meantime. Hey, are you looking for a unique way to start your game day? Treat your group to a pregame patio party. You'll get two hours of an all-you-can-eat buffet along with unlimited beer, wine, and Coca-Cola products. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash patio or call or text 312-674-1000. Perfect opportunity to bring in the voice you usually hear hosting White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight, but Connor McKnight will be on the call along with Len Casper later today. Around 2 o'clock on ESPN 1000 as we give you the White Sox first spring training game against the San Diego Padres. Connor is out in Arizona. Connor, is it warm out there? Are you enjoying your spring training right now, my man? It is, Jeff. It's a pleasure. Uh, It's getting warmer, certainly warmer than it was yesterday and the day before that. Uh, not a lot of complaints. You know, we got baseball today for the first time in a long time. It feels good. That's warm enough for me, right? Let's put the big, warm, fuzzy baseball jacket on. I love that we're playing Elvis on the way back. You know, a lot of people love Hound Dog, you know, Jailhouse Rock, that kind of thing. For my money, Suspicious Minds, oh. that is, that's a jam, man. That is a That hits is what it does. That may or may not be little hint here it will be uh the final song you hear today later coming your way so uh keep it locked here on white sacks weekly and don't worry you will get your fair share of suspicious minds all right connor you mentioned it the first game of the season of spring training anyway coming your way later today if you're a white Sox fan curious though before we get into some of the nuts and bolts what we're going to expect from the new rules your thoughts on the signing of elvis andrews because i started talking about how i'm excited I mean, I think it's a great get for the White Sox because it looked to me like there was a glaring hole at second base. And to get a player who is who was a leader in the clubhouse, who I don't know if he, you know, if it was something he did with his swing, um, just a different approach. Maybe he didn't have so much on his mind anymore here in Chicago, but he played like damn near MVP levels for the White Sox down the stretch. And to have him back manning second base, I am pumped. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jeff. And I'm, I'm kind of the same way. When I saw the news and, you know, kind of thought about it, and you jot your lineups and you do your work, I, I was surprised with how much better I felt about this team after that signing. You know, I, I don't think that that means I put the same kind of expectations as his last couple of weeks, his last nine weeks with the White Sox on his bat um, for 2023. I just think that there's, there is a veteran presence there that matters quite a bit. I've talked about this a lot, um, but I think it was his second game with the White Sox, and I was a young pitcher on the mound. It might have been Kopech, might have been Lambert, can't remember which, but you know, it's, it's, it's two pitches in, and Elvis Andrews is walking up to grab the rosin bag and essentially get a mound visit for the pitcher who was struggling at the moment or just you know, trying to find it. That, that's, that takes a lot. You know, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of understanding and know-how to walk up there and do it. It takes a lot of cachet 
as a veteran in this league who's not, you know, a longtime White Sox. He'd been there for about a minute and a half. So that was, I think that was really cool to see kind of in action. I also think that what this does for you is, I mean, listen, the hope is that Tim Anderson is able to play 155 games or, or what have you this year. If he can't, if something happens, if an injury occurs, you now have Elvis Andrews able to slide over to shortstop and play, and he was fine over the last year defensively. And then second base can work out the way that it looks prior to Elvis Andrews. It gives some runway to Lenin Sosa, to Romy Gonzalez, to Jose Rodriguez, to you know Brian Rama, you know all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. Those guys get runway in the minor leagues to kind of um, you know get get themselves going. And then become whatever they're going to become. I, I think they're going to be perhaps some middle infield is really where the depth is in this White Sox system. And, you know, outside of Colson Montgomery, I think you may see a couple of guys uh, get chances to help this ball club, whether it be, you know, the, the injuries that occur during the course of the season or just roster moves that get made. You might see some guys have a couple of cups of coffee that matter quite a bit. And I'll be interested to see that come up when it does this summer. It's spring training, so you know we've got the old story, the standby best shape of your life. Lots of guys Ah, coming in, of course. I imagine everybody on the White Sox roster is, but notably, Svelte. Maybe that's a better word for someone like Aloy Jimenez, who dropped 25 to 30 pounds um, with the intention of playing some right field. So I'll leave it open-ended here, Connor. What do you think about Aloy Jimenez losing so much weight and really pushing to play the outfield this year? Yeah, first, let's take the last part first. There is, and I'm, I'm very much with Pedro Grafal on this, there is no reason that anyone in this league should look at a 26, about to be 27-year-old Aloy Jimenez and say, well, you got to take his glove away from him. There is a big difference between being capable of going out there and playing right field a time or two or 20 this season and then being a right fielder, like a massive amount of difference. And, and White Sox fans have seen the effects of, of you know, I, when I say clogged, there's probably a better way to put it, but seen the effects of a clogged roster with guys who are mostly first base DH types trying to play corner outfield spots the last two seasons. Has that been fun? Has, has that been helpful? I'll speak for White Sox for fans. No. No, it, it hasn't been. And, you know, again, I feel like we say this all the time, and it really does matter. Kudos to Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets for getting themselves in shape to play those corner outfield spots when that was never going to be the case. That, that just wasn't in the plans for the first place. But that's not what they are, really, right? And it's just, it's just not the case. So I don't know why you would look at this roster and say, well, you know, listen, we just got to take that ability away from Aloy Jimenez. And end of story. That that seems really limiting to me. So he cuts down weight. I, I saw him the other day. He looks. I mean, Svelte is a great way of putting it. I I think one of the things he said that really caught my attention was his talking about the his swing um, and the fluidity that's in there now that he's dropped some of that weight. I, I think that's a very interesting aspect of this because, you know, we focus on his ability to be quicker or, or lighter and play the outfield or what have you. That's great. But Aloy Jimenez makes his money by hitting the hell out of the baseball. Sure. And if he's able to do that with a little less pressure on that knee that has had so much, um, you know, attention paid to it, that hamstring behind the knee, really, then, then that's helpful too. And I wouldn't be too surprised if this kind of reshaped Aloy Jimenez is more focused toward those benefits than, than the ability to stay in one of the corner outfield spots. 
How about another man who lost a significant amount of weight, Lucas Giolito, who had his struggles last season. And he mentioned he was hopeful that if he put on the muscle, that he would be able to continue his velocity deeper into the season. But then I saw him discuss how it kind of was a mess. It didn't work out the way he had intended. And so he comes back this year lighter at a closer weight to what he was pitching at back in 2020, 2021, when he was so stupendous for the White Sox. What are your thoughts on Lucas Giolito taking off the pounds? You know, it's funny. He came into last offseason, uh, last spring training, rather, with the weight. And, you know, we, we all talked through what it was for him. And we've seen guys do that before, right? Add a little muscle or a little poundage, last a little longer in the season, that kind of thing. And it it was well-reasoned, and it made sense. And it, like he said, didn't work. I just It just didn't. So go back to what got you here. You know, he revamped the mechanics a little bit, it looks like. I'm really interested to see him throw um, and, and kind of, you know, work a little bit here and, and what those mechanics look like and what kind of pitch mix he's able to use out here in Arizona. You know, the breaking, you know Jeff, the breaking stuff doesn't break as much out here. The changeup doesn't change as much out here. It's, it, it is what it is. Um, but I, I think getting back to what he's been makes a lot of sense, right? This is a big year for him um, as much as it is for the ball club. This is his walk year. You know, this is his ability. He could, he could go free agent after the season, and that, that is a big, important year for anyone. And, you know, I, I like the idea of being able to put a chip on your shoulder, whether there's, you know, a lot inside of it or not. It's mm-hmm. just get out there and get after it and, you know, tell everybody who didn't think you could do it that uh, they're wrong. There's a lot of meaning in that for athletes, uh, has been for decades. And I like that Lucas is going to pitch with that this season. Connor McNoit joining me here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller. Of course, Connor will be on the call with Len Casper later today as the White Sox get their spring training exhibition season started as they take on the San Diego Padres. Again, coming your way here on ESPN 1000 at 2 o'clock today. Connor, I have to imagine that uh, the new Major League Baseball rules that are going to be instituted will be a quite a point of discussion for you and Len later today. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna see some. St- I mean, listen, Len Casper is one of the one well, the best in the business, and he's seen everything. But we're about to see stuff he's never seen today, and in the nine other spring training games we're gonna do, and all throughout April. And that's that is exciting to me, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I get that maybe not all fans love all the rules changes, but I think there are a lot here with merit. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the runner on second base and extras, but we've got that there. And I, I think there's, you know, there's going to be um, some push and pull and drama and tension throughout the season because of these rules. I was talking to a few players in the clubhouse you know, earlier this week about, you know, strategy and timing and pitch clocks and stuff. And, and to be honest with you, Jeff, there, there are still guys un- trying to understand exactly. And they had a rules meeting just this morning before the game started. So they've, they've gone over this obviously, but you know, guys trying to understand the the nuance of this stuff. And I get it because at a certain degree, at a certain time, there's you just have to be out there and play with it un, until before you understand what it's actually like to have that timer click down, to have those pickoff rules enforced, all that stuff. In a way, you know, guys like uh, Davis Martin or mm-hmm. Jake Berger, who have been on that up and down kind of trajectory over the last couple of years, who have played with these rules and played in the big leagues are really valuable here in spring training because they they've seen it, they've done it, they've messed it up, they've fixed it, you know. And I, I think 
you know, some of the veterans may be able to lean on guys who have experience on both sides a little bit this spring uh, for all teams. And I, I think that's a really cool interplay between, uh, between roster guys. I think one of the most encouraging things as a fan of baseball is, you know, when Theo Epstein, who was or has been, you know, a consultant to Major League Baseball and has been one of the predominant voices in helping to drive some of these changes into the league, you know, when you hear him talk about, you know, they're doing this with the intention of making it a more aesthetically pleasing baseball game. I think anybody who's a baseball fan, if you just listen to that, you can wrap, wrap your head around the logic of why it might make sense. And, and I'm hopeful that what we see play out will make this, will bring this back to a game that a lot of people grew up loving back in the, you know, the eighties and nineties when running and defense were, there was more emphasis on it. And it wasn't always about, okay, the three true outcomes. It will bring back a more beautiful game to watch. And I'm, that's something that I'm truly hoping for. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of value there. I think as sports have become has become such bigger business in the uh, in the streaming era. You know, you're trying to get eyeballs on live television events, and sports is a best way to do that. We've really kind of drawn out um, the product, and that's just kind of a natural reaction to the way we consume our media right now. Baseball's going through an, an attempt to shorten the game, and I believe it's going to get that right. It's going to put more action in a shorter game. And I think those things will all, you know, kind of um, kind of lead to bigger and better highlights, you know, bigger and better plays, bigger and better athletes making plays on that level. Um, you know, there's a lot of games. It, I was just reading college football is, is looking at shortening its game, um, not the interminable halftime and, and marches and everything that we do, but shorter and that's better too. I, this is coming for everybody, I think. Um, and I, I think the way baseball is putting this into play is hopefully going to allow its best athletes to shine in ways that are a little bit more frequent than the game has been over the last decade and a half or so. I, I think that's a really cool thing, and I'm, I'm hoping we get to see that uh, right off the jump here this afternoon. One last thing for you, Connor McKnight, before you go get ready with uh, Len Casper for the broadcast later on today. Obviously, the White Sox are dealing with real life issues with Liam Hendricks, but on the field, curious as to who you think might end up closing out games in Liam Hendricks' absence. Yeah, you know, I, I heard from Joe Kelly yesterday. Um, I've been trying to chase down Kendall for a little while here and, and have a conversation with him. I, I think that they're going to be kind of versatile off the top. I would be... At this point, you know, spring's long, right? We got a lot of baseball to play and a lot of things that could pop up, a World Baseball Classic games to, to play before we get there. But at this point, I'd be a little surprised if the first handful of save opportunities didn't go to Kendall Graven because he is a veteran. Mm -hmm. And he's done this before, and you, you want to salt those wins away real quick. Um, I heard some talk. Ronaldo Lopez has come into camp understanding what he can do as a reliever how to get guys out that that fastball plays he's another year removed from having the the ice uh, uh, the eye surgery that, that has helped him so much I, listen this guy this guy can do it yep. um, you know he's got the stuff to handle it as a as a you know my baseball philosophy I really like having a bullpen that can hit from all kinds of angles, right? I like being able to throw anybody at anybody at any time. I don't want Terry Francona to know who's coming out for the ninth. I want to surprise him as much as anybody else. So I like that this bullpen can do that. It, it is still a bullpen without Liam Hendricks, though, right? I mean, as versatile as it can be, that guy's as reliable as it gets. So 
there's a challenge there to each one of these relievers. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's kind of a theme of this White Sox season. Challenge is issued, right? Last season didn't go the way they wanted it to in a very real way. Challenge is out there right now to go chase down the Guardians in the Central. And, um, you know, there, there are little, you know, micro challenges within each unit that they're going to have to get done and accomplish. And that's, that's absolutely one of them. Um, I, I think they've got the arms to do it back there. But it'll be really interesting to see once Pedro is uh, – is able or, or has to go away from a veteran like Graveman from saving a couple of games, who is that next guy up? You know, who is that next kind of matchup preference uh, that he's going to go to? All right, Connor, go have a great broadcast with Len Casper. We cannot wait to listen. Spring training action is coming your way later today at 2 o'clock. We will all be listening back here in Chicago. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, Jeff. That is, of course, Connor McKnight. And as I mentioned, he will be on the call with Len Casper later today on these airwaves, ESPN 1000. I mentioned Liam Hendricks earlier there. Join us in supporting Liam Hendricks during his fight against non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and purchase a closeout cancer shirt. Fans can also donate a shirt to an individual fighting cancer in Liam's honor. All proceeds will benefit the Lymphoma Research Foundation. Visit whitesox.com slash Team Liam to order a limited edition shirt. I'm Jeff Miller in for Connor McKnight on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Elvis music today as we celebrate the White Sox, bringing Elvis Andrews back. Again, if you missed it, we touched on it earlier today, but the White Sox signed Elvis Andrews earlier this week. And so we're celebrating it by playing some Elvis Presley for you. Lots of fun conversation coming your way. Don't forget, though, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on opening day, April 3rd, as the White Sox take on the San Francisco Giants at 3.10 p.m. The first 20,000 fans will receive a 2023 magnetic schedule presented by BMO. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. All right, now we bring in ESPN Major League Baseball insider Jesse Rogers to talk some Major League Baseball rules. Lots of new ones to consider. And, of course, before we get there, Jess, thanks for joining me. What do you think about the White Sox bringing back Elvis Andrews on a one-year, $3 million deal? It's just so interesting you asked me because just yesterday I was talking to uh, the guy he's replacing at second base, Josh Harrison, who is with the White Sox. I was at Philly's camp, and we were talking about what a good signing it is because he's the instant leader on that team. And and Josh was telling me about how how much advice he gave to Tim Anderson last year about not coming back too quick with his injuries and things like that, letting himself heal up. And I think T.A. felt like as one of the team leaders, he needed to be back in there. But, of course, if you're not healthy, you can't really help. And so it's just interesting, the dynamic. If Tim is healthy, just go play. Let Elvis be kind of the leader in that clubhouse. So more than anything in terms of runs produced or RBIs or anything else like that from Elvis Andrews, I think he's the instant leader on that team, and it certainly – helps that he was there for a month or two last season. So he can kind of take that role of Jose Abreu, but even even do more than that, I think. Really touch all parts of that team. So 
for for that reason, I really like the signing, and and we have Josh Harrison giving his stamp of approval as well. Well, and let's not be naive too. The fact that he was out there in free agency, clearly there was no real suitor that wanted to make him either their full time shortstop or break the bank for him. And the White Sox had the glaring hole at second base. So even though he's never really played second base, the truth is, I mean, he's just going to step right in. And based on what they had, it, it's just a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, look, again, production is one thing. Um, it's second base without the shift. He's going to have to be athletic. He's going to have to take this entire spring to learn the double play turns and where to stand and all that stuff. Um, but if you have a shortstop's arm, you certainly have a second baseman's arm, so that shouldn't be a problem. So there are certainly some question marks about the production end of it, whether it be offensively or defensively. But considering they didn't have a sort of a, a mainstay there, they were going to break in a rookie in Romy Gonzalez. And the fact that, to be honest, when I was asked about this cl- team before El- Elvis Andrews was brought back, I couldn't answer you who the leader in that clubhouse was. It, I kept saying it was going to be Pedro Grafal, mm-hmm. which isn't the best answer. You need some players in there, and I think Elvis is going to do that uh, as much as anything. So that's why I love the signing. But, again, we do have to watch him at second. Can he handle it? Does he have the offensive game? You're right. Nobody else wanted to you know, sign him to play shortstop. So, so here he is at second. But he was a great find last year. Let's see if it can carry over to a full season. Jesse Rogers joining us here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight, who is going to be on the call of today's spring training opener on ESPN 1000. Don't forget, first pitch coming your way around 205, but the coverage begins here on ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago at 2 o'clock. All right, Jess, so you alluded to it when you were talking about Elvis Andrews there being a shortstop by trade, but having to adjust to some new rules, and that's the primary reason why I wanted to have you on, because you have been all over it all off season. You were one of the first people to get a true primer out there. So just what exactly can baseball fans and Sox fans expect with some of the new rules coming their way in the 2023 season? Yeah, I don't think the elimination of the shift is going to look all that different to people. You're still going to see a shortstop very close to second base, but he has to stay on one side of it. Same thing for a right-handed hitter. You're going to see the second baseman close to second base, but on one side of it. In fact, I've been told by by teams, the third baseman is still going to move over near shortstop for a left-handed pull hitter. So what's going to happen is the third baseman and the shortstop are going to be closer together than ever. Again, the shortstop close to second, the third baseman where the shortstop would be. So so we're still going to see that hole through the left side. That's one thing we're going to see. What we don't know if we'll see in the regular season is if they take the left fielder and stick him in short center to to replace where, where they used to shift the infielders, right? Um, I'm seeing today Brandon Hyde's Baltimore Orioles take on the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins signed Joey Gallo in the offseason. I'm very interested to see on day one, I mean, if there's anybody you're going to stick into short right against, it's Joey Gallo. So there is a chance to see sort of a two-man outfield where the center fielder moves over to left center and that left fielder moves over to short right. And Theo Epstein said if that becomes prominent, they make, might make a rule against that and make uh, the outfielder stay in, in each quadrant, right, center, and left. So there's going to be you know uh, teams trying to take advantage, and then there might be some rule changes because of it. So that's the shift. Then, of course, 20 seconds to throw a pitch. 15 without anyone on base, and that's going to be interesting as well, especially when a pitcher shakes off the catcher, even if it's through pitch comp, because you don't have a lot of time for more than one shake off. 
you're going to start to run out of time. And mm. I was talking to Spencer Strider of the Braves, and he said, we might just need a default pitch. If we can't agree on something, the clock's winding down. I mm. just might always throw a fastball, or I might always throw a slider, or at least something maybe that's outside the zone that they can't hit. Because the last thing pitchers want to do, Jeff, mm-hmm. is run out of time, but, but still throw a pitch, and it's a cookie. They'd rather take a ball or throw a ball than serve up a cookie that's a two-run homer. So all these little things are going to be in play. But basically, pitcher back, uh, catcher back to the pitcher, as soon as he gets the ball, he's got 15 seconds to throw without anyone on base, 20 seconds to throw when there is someone on base. Now, when there's a foul ball, Jeff, when there's an injury, when there's something that happens, a beach ball goes on the field, they're going to stop and reset the clock. You know, it's not going to be like, starting every time there's a, there's a it's just going to start quickly if the pitch is taken the ball's thrown back to the pitcher here we go let's play some baseball so there are times where it'll stop and everybody will regroup the batter gets a timeout per at bat so you'll see that happen but only one only one time can he step out of the box and have the clock reset and to be honest Jeff the biggest game changer is actually going to involve two step offs okay pitchers can step off the rubber twice a third one results in a balk unless it results in an out. In other words, you can throw over a third time. You just have to get an out. So pitchers are going to have to use those disengagements very wisely. You know, a lot of times guys step off just because they need a breather, right? That's okay. Sure. But you can't do it more than twice. And it's and you certainly, if you step off once, then you can only throw over to uh, first base once. So that's the one that could increase the stolen base game, that could cause some consternation with pitchers. I think you're going to see mound visits used um, in, in uh, more to the max, right? Yeah. You can get five. I think you're going to see teams use up all five because a mound visit counts as a uh, can count as a disengagement and can also reset the clock. Um, and that's why teams will get an extra mounds visit only in the ninth inning because they know teams will use those to to reset the clock every so often. So that's kind of the summation of everything you might see. But there's so many tentacles to it. Sure. We won't know how it affects things until we actually see some games today. It's it's fascinating to hear some of the peripheral things that you're talking about, the relationship, the communication between the battery, the pitcher and the catcher, and you know just what they're going to have to do worrying about. You know, It's one of those things where you really, you're so worried about, or everyone's so focused on pitchers going at max velo and reloading and having the ability, you don't even think through, oh, yeah, by the way, they're going to have to throw down and agree upon a pitch that they want, and that could be something that uh, they're going to have to adjust to. Now, I, you referenced Theo Epstein, who was on with Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 earlier this week, breaking down a lot of these rules. I know he said that for the most part what they saw, it took about three weeks for hitters or for for players in general to kind of adapt to these rules and then mm-hmm. fairly quickly pick them up from everybody you've talked to in both Arizona and Florida players managers do you believe that players are going to eventually embrace the new baseball rules that they're going to have to deal with the answer is yes the question that Theo and nobody knows is what is the impact on production it was the minor leagues where they tested this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, the results don't matter that much. It's not 40,000 people screaming. No one's making millions of dollars, right? So the point I'm making is when you ask a high-leverage reliever to throw a pitch every 20 seconds with the bases loaded, will he be as effective as he was a year ago? That's the part that nobody knows. So 
they'll get used to doing it. I don't think we're going to see a ton of violations come July, uh, you know, meaning a ball because the clock runs out. But what you might see is some pitchers struggle because they just can't keep repeating their delivery and, and, and making the best pitch with 20 seconds to do it. Um, some people think starters won't be able to go as long. I, I think all of this remains to be seen. This is the part that's unchartered in the minors um, with the pitch clock from one year to the next with, without, and then with Jeff, they said the offense did not change. Like in other words, pitchers weren't throwing that many more cookies up there and offenses took off because pitchers couldn't handle the 20 seconds, but that was in the minors. I don't know what it's going to look like in the majors. So I think the violations will certainly go down over time, but that doesn't mean pitchers will be as effective. Some will be, some won't be. I think it's almost impossible to predict. I, I guess the ones that were took a long time in the past, like you, Darvish, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how he <laughs> pitches with, with needing to speed things up. Can he be as effective? It might take some time. No, and he's a great example. Also, I know Shohei Otani is somebody who his delivery to the plate is one of the longest in baseball and also even in the stretch as well. So he clearly has a very big free agent push coming this season. So it's something that all these players are going to adapt to. And for individuals like Otani, it might not be the greatest time to have to adjust. But, hey, they're all going to have to do so at the same time. It's going to be fascinating. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. Jesse Rogers joining me here on ESPN 1000. White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight this week. All right, Jess, so uh, any other tidbits? Or I guess we haven't hit on the bigger bases. I, I, you know, ha- going hand-in-hand, hand, I suppose, with the the two pick two throwovers, if you throw over a third time, you have to get them out, and the increased bases. Do you anticipate or have you heard from anybody around baseball saying they, they're going to expect a lot more running on the bases this year? They're going to expect more. I just don't know if it's a lot or a little. The, the, the word I'm getting mostly is if you were a stolen base threat, in fact, I just talked to Trey Turner yesterday as well, mm-hmm. another Philadelphia Philly, one of the great stolen base threats in the game. It, it, I think those guys are going to have higher totals at the end of the year. But if you're, if you're tell me, you know, is Yasmani Grandel going to steal more because of the bigger bases? <laughs> I not. think the answer is no. But I think the base stealers will have higher totals. So, yes, the answer is yes. They did see it in the minors and increase. Um, you know, Joe Madden was on on ESPN yesterday, uh, the other day, and he kind of mentioned this as well. Like the front office is frowned on stolen bases because the 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 um, the benefit, the risk benefit is wasn't good in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't worth the extra base to risk getting out. The analytics told us that that's why stolen bases decreased over the years. So I know Joe is wondering, like the rest of us, will front offices and the analytics people change their minds because of the three extra square inches on these bases. And the if the if the success rate goes up 5%, is that enough to attempt 20% more? Like, all this is going to play out over the course of time, but we're at the beginning of it, so there's no real data other than the minors. But again, even they admit the minors won't always translate, you know, numbers-wise to the majors. So I think it's safe to say Trey Turner's total stolen bases are going to go up. But after that, after the top guys, I don't know the effect. I don't know if, 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 if guys that never steal are going to end up with five or ten or something like that. I, I, my gut feeling is no, but we'll, let's see. Let's see it all play out. Great stuff, Jess. Thanks for hopping on White Sox Weekly. I appreciate it, man. We will, uh, I'm sure, talk to you very soon. 
You got it, Jeff. Take care, man. That is Jesse Rogers, ESPN, MLB insider. Hey, don't forget, catch the biggest matchups at the best value for the 2023 season. Enjoy flexible payment plans, a ticket exchange program, and more. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash ticket plans or call or text 312-674-1000. I'm Jeff Meller in for Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. Now. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. out here on White Sox Weekly on the Elvis edition, celebrating the signing of Elvis Andrews. Hey, experience all-inclusive food and beverage options, in-seat service, and complimentary parking in our premium seating areas. Plans start at 20 games for you or your business. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash premium or call or text 312-674-1000. want to say thank you to Jesse Rogers and Connor McKnight, who again will be on the call with Len Casper later today, coming your way with White Sox baseball at 2 o'clock as they get set for the spring training debut of the White Sox and Padres later on today. Thanks to my man, the executive producer of White Sox baseball, Brendan Riley, for producing today. One last thing to mention, hey, Sox fans, watch the three-part series Project Birmingham today. Follow top prospects Colson Montgomery and Oscar Colas as they provide a behind-the-scenes look at the daily schedule of Project Birmingham. Binge all three episodes at youtube.com slash White Sox. All right, that does it for us here on White Sox Weekly. We will be back next week. But, of course, don't forget, White Sox action coming your way later today at 2 o'clock. I'm Jeff Meller. Thanks for listening. White Sox Weekly with Connor McKnight. On the home of the White Sox. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports.